0: me what you want open invitation I'm a human being infused with creative vibration utilizing melodies and visual stimulation beats and stories get the blur you get the relation I get impatient like a doctor racing bullets coming from my soul my body just a caseing what is up guys welcome to another episode of the paralyzed artist podcast I am your host Daniel Alvarez and if you're new to this podcast I'm just gonna be talking about living with a spinal cord injury. Of creating art and being artistic and just life in general and today is actually one of my first episodes with a guest and it's a very special guest it's someone that i kind of look to as a mentor and a, a source of inspiration he's a painter creator um generally dope ass person welcome everybody mr richard bell hi hi how are you doing good doing good it's a it's a hot ass day in la but we're here in the in the studio slash apartment with the ac so if you guys can hear a little bit in the background it's too
1: hot it's too hot to
0: be without ac
1: right on yeah i got up to 104 today yeah
0: not fun one of the few complaints we we get to have here in la like we have
1: everything else so a little
0: heat a little traffic is not so bad i agree and um, as you can see right now, uh, like I was saying, Richard is a painter and we actually have some of his artwork in the background. When I was heading over here today, I was trying to remember the first time we met. I don't know if you remember.
1: Oh, man. I don't remember. Like, was it at Rancho or something? It. it
0: that's what I was thinking. see, like, there, there was a point a few years ago where, like, we'd all be, like, mixed in rancho doing different things so i literally couldn't remember when we exactly met i just knew that we probably saw each other around it was probably like at the art of
1: rancho show maybe must have been art of rancho show
0: yeah so one of the reasons that i wanted to bring richard in uh because like i was saying earlier this podcast is going to be about art and leaving with a spinal cord injury and richard is actually one of the reasons that i got more serious about creating art and um we've work together like I've helped him stretch out some paintings and like kind of try to pick his brain here and there on what he knows about art and um yeah so we're gonna jump right in again like this whole podcasting thing is new to me so I'm learning as I go so bear with us with all the ands and ums and all that random stuff but uh hopefully you guys enjoy the episode and uh, to get us started. I just kind of want to ask you about your injury like how how did you acquire your injury?
1: Yeah I um, in 2002 I had a rollover accident in my convertible um, prior to my accident. I was in um, I.T. I was an I.T. professional and um, it, Which allowed me to afford a fancy sports car that I then proceeded to crash and um, so, um, I remember crashing and going to the hospital in the back of an ambulance, um, knowing I was paralyzed. I knew right away and the, um, uh, my mom told me later cause she was the first one to the hospital that, um, I crashed two times. So yeah, I flatlined two times, but I couldn't stay dead. So, that, so here I am.
0: <laughs> that is well. Yeah. That's one thing that, uh. Most people that have our injury went through something traumatic, whether it be, like, violence or an accident or um, a car crash.
1: And um, Some people just wake up paralyzed. I've, I've heard those stories, too. They don't have a, some kind of an embolism in their spine. and mm-hmm. wake up paralyzed. I'm like, whoa. I'm glad mine happened, you know, doing something fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, m- my injury was a, a gunshot, but I... I kind of find myself not really thinking about it so much like I I never I'm never really like um, I mean here and there I'll have like the thought of like man like someone tried to kill me like it was some crazy but overall I feel like I once I made the effort to just like move on I, I kind of just stopped thinking about it. I don't know if that
1: happened with you um well I didn't really dwell on it much um I had my accident. I was on life support for three months, which sucks, because you can't talk or anything. Then um, I was after the three months, um, I was transferred to Rancho for another three months of therapy, but as a quadriplegic, you know, I didn't like really. I don't think it worked out, you know, to the best, um, just because of all my limitations at the time Mm -hmm. so most of my therapy was done once i got home trying to reach for things and uh having peers like bobby rohan and those guys challenging me to not you know be a lazy bum and get out of that big power chair start pushing start playing sports you know how we do yeah
0: so you you kind of got into that that atmosphere right after your injury
1: yes i was here, um, just sitting around basically, Bobby Rohan came to the house and um, was like, dude, your wife is feeding you? So um, he had these forks that um, they welded rings on so that I could eat myself. But then after that, I followed him down uh, to his van. He had a button, the van door opened, the ramp popped out, he rolled in, hopped into the captain's seat, and took off, and I was just like, what the hell am i doing because <laughs> um, he was the same level injury as me right. and um, so like just seeing that was enough encouragement for me to just like okay i need to figure out how to start getting back into life
0: right right that's that's awesome like i i took forever i i made the mistake of being like a, a proud like young guy that thought i didn't need any help and i didn't need any guidance and i To be honest, I kind of felt like I didn't want to be a part of the like spinal cord injury community. I, I was just like, I'm gonna just do my thing. And looking back, that was a huge mistake because I I had to learn how to do everything on my own, basically. Like I didn't. There was some like random like videos on YouTube, but there wasn't that much information. No, there
1: wasn't much at all at the time, right? Yeah. Especially when I I got injured in 2002, there was really nothing. And um, I was an IT professional, so I knew how to, you know, at least search the web. And I, I, there's really nothing I could find that was helpful. Right.
0: And um, did you have, like, any ideas or what, um, any knowledge about a spinal cord injury before your injury?
1: Yes, um, because I was pre-med in college. Oh, okay. And um, so, yeah, we studied, you know, the spine. And, you know, I knew there were 33 vertebrae. I knew when I had my accident that I broke uh, cervical vertebrae mm-hmm. because I was having trouble breathing. So I knew I was a quadriplegic. So yeah, um, I did at least have some prior knowledge. That's probably, uh, that probably helped, right. you know, the transition. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yeah, I, I had some knowledge. I, I didn't, I was, I didn't know like the intricate details. I just know that if you have a spinal cord injury you wouldn't be able to walk and that was basically it i had no knowledge really of what what you know having an injury until and in a way at first that kind of helped me because i was a little naive about it so i was like i'll get better you know like the doctor right oh, yeah away,
1: we all feel that way i thought i was gonna be walking in a couple of months you know did you yeah but we all i think all of us think that at first yeah yeah but then you realize well i realized Damn, walking is a little overrated. So, and I have these cool wheels now, so I'm I'm cool.
0: I feel like having that outlook of of trying to find the positive in things does help a lot because that's how I am as a person. Um, I, I I try to take any situation and try to, you know, see like it could have been worse or like something else could have happened or I always try to look at things in that in that light.
1: Yeah. um, but that is actually what kind of led me back into doing art, just being around the community. I didn't know about, it was years before I found out about the Art of Rancho show. And someone invited me to it. And at first I was like, I don't want to see a bunch of crippled people trying to do art. I, and I in my mind, I thought it was just going to be some horrible crap. Right. And, um, but I, I broke myself, went to the show and my mind was blown i was like what the hell and people were painting with their mouths and coming up with these like masterpieces right. and i was just like what the hell am i doing and um so i was like you know what i'm gonna get back into it and try to start creating a little body of work so i could be in the next year's show right, right that's what kick-started me
0: yeah i actually had kind of the same reaction to the show i i i didn't re- really make any like prejudgments of it i was just like I'm just gonna go check it out, see what I see. And you're
1: better than me, bro. I prejudged the hell out of it.
0: (laughs) No, I just went in blank mind. I was just like, let me check out what and say I was like, what? Like these like these people got skill. Like, man, like I need to get on their level. You know, it was it was a big inspiration for me, definitely.
1: Absolutely.
0: And um another random question when it comes to the beginning of your injury. So the day of your injury Did you feel like that day was a little different or off? Oh,
1: man. I had, uh, like, a... It was more than... It was, like, bigger than a dream. It was uh, so realistic. I had a dream of the whole thing. Did you? Like, the accident and being on life support. And then, like, struggling with doing stuff after. But not, like, there was no finale to the dream. Okay. Like, I was just, like, paralyzed, but but that was basically it. And then I got up in the morning and I was like, man, I'm hungry, I wonder if my mom cooked. Hopped in my convertible, Um, I had a couple of cars and I, I, for some reason I chose that car and it was drizzling Um, and if, you know, you should never drive a sports car in the rain. And uh, I knew that, but I was like, it's just drizzling, it's gonna clear up. and I I think the forecast was gonna be sunny later, Mm -hmm. so I, hopped in the car and that was my fatal mistake. <laughs>
0: that is crazy. So it was kind of like a premonition, like you kind of-
1: Not a total, yeah, but it was a weird dream because I, I dreamt the whole like thing, like even procedures right. that I had to go through. Yeah, it was that's, weird.
0: That's crazy. And had that happened to you in any other circumstance in your life before?
1: Not that I could recall, that's... but the, um, yeah, the the dream was weird but um i didn't like i didn't relate the dream to what i was about to do that day though right right see what i'm saying i just thought it was like oh that's weird and but when i had the accident i was like oh shit that's the dream i had
0: and did you ever like like second guess yourself like maybe i should have paid attention to cuz i've had experiences where i like déjà vu's where you experience and you're like i've i've seen this before but mentally, you're just you. You never register it as like, this is gonna happen. Like it's just a like it's a dream, right? It was just a dream to you. Yeah, kind of- it
1: was just like a weird dream to me. Like very vivid dream, but it was still kind of weird, you know.
0: Man, that must that must be a crazy experience. I've had little flashbacks like that. Actually, I have a uh, one time when I was younger. My sister, her boyfriend at the time, he was into like racing and like he had like a little Honda and they had like a little race like a race crew or whatever, and we'd go out and um, just meet up and, and put races together. But this one time we were driving down like a, just a reg- regular neighborhood with houses, no, no like, it was just literally a neighborhood. And for whatever reason, he started racing this guy down like a, like a street with nothing but houses. And then we were racing, we were going, and then they, we were about to hit a stop sign, and they were going to take it. And in that moment, I saw us crashing. I saw like I saw like oh shit we were gonna crash, but it it was a mental thing. And then ten seconds later, we we're going and he, they they both tried to take a stop sign, and uh, another girl in a car just rear-ended one of the cars, and they hit our car and we started like he gained control. We started sliding at like I don't know maybe like fifty miles per hour we're straight into parked cars, and and he managed to kind of like steer it out the way, and the the car we were racing got destroyed like cuz he got hit in the back and then he kind of spun and he hit us but it was crazy like at, I told my you know my sister's boyfriend afterward he was like why didn't you say something but I was just like that had never really happened before. how am I supposed to know it's exactly, really going to yeah. happen you know um but it it definitely is a crazy experience do you feel like you were able to adapt pretty quickly to your injury or do you feel like mm. it took you some time it took you the the help of like some of the peers
1: yeah, it took a lot of help from peers but um, initially, um, with my level of injury, I didn't have much use of my arms. I still don't have any use of my hands. Uh, but I couldn't even, I could barely reach my arm to my mouth to feed myself. Right. So, um, But over time, it's like the uh, the, I don't know if it's the swelling goes down. But then I understand that your spine starts to heal, like, very minimally over the years, right? So over the years, you do, do get better at doing things. Yeah. And um, so it took a while before um, I could even push a chair, a manual chair.
0: Right. And then obviously practicing. and you Yeah. Keep doing and then you it, get
1: you your strength up.
0: And just to talk a little bit about like spinal cord injuries and like the levels. So how a spinal cord injury works is the higher your level of injuries, is the less like mobility and feeling you have and you have a a high neck injury, right?
1: Yeah. It's a cervical five, six. Okay. So So one more cervical vertebrae down and I probably would have had a little use of my hands. Right. See see how that works. Um, two more down, I would have had complete use of my hands and my triceps. And then I would have been, you know, close to, you know, you probably still a little more functional, but yeah, it would have been closer.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that, uh, obviously, it makes a huge difference to be able to... Yeah, um, you know, each
1: vertebrae down makes a huge... It's like a huge jump in in your mobility and uh, ability to do things. Right.
0: Yeah, I like, whenever I talk about... Whenever I talk about you to people, I'm always like... It's crazy, because I'm not much of a complainer, but, I, like, I'll have my moments, right, where I'm just like, God, I'm so tired of this and that. But, like, from all the times we've ever, like done things together and like hung out and gone places and done events i don't think i ever really hear you complain like
1: you know i'll be complaining about these spasms well the spasms (laughs) spasm um that's yeah Yeah, so you can't control that shit
0: yeah and what he's talking about is uh the muscles in our body sometimes i don't know if if they're trying to just like they're tired of not moving or they're trying to jump start themselves again or what it is but we get spasms where our legs will get really stiff and hard to move or they'll get jumpy where they'll they'll kick like it gets to the point where i've i lost count already how many times i've fallen from a spasm
1: yeah i've kicked my nurses (laughs) yeah that's i feel so bad about that um yeah i've 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 stood up once uh in the mid-transfer and my wife shoved me i think into my chair and but i didn't know what was happening i was kind of pissed i was like why the hell did you push me she was like fool you were standing up i didn't even know so it, it,
0: it just happened so quick
1: well it was the spasm i thought she was lifting me but mm. um she was like you were standing so that was a spasm that is crazy
0: another thing that, ha- that happens with spasm is like we were actually just talking about this the last time we hung up hung out like i have a lot of trouble sleeping and yeah when oh, i'm yeah. trying to sleep like any little movement and my leg will kick and and you like if you're if you were about to snooze off yeah you're not snoozing you're moving
1: oh yeah I I get little sleep honestly yeah we gotta you know just deal with that but I wasn't much of a sleeper before the accident so right
0: yeah I was so so I I had a little trouble sleeping but like when I was working and you know I used to play sports after work so at the end of the day most days I'd be tired but there was some days, I think it kind of runs in my family a little bit, like insomnia and like just for, for whatever reason, I think a few of like my siblings just have a really hard time sleeping. Um, getting back to the spasm. So is there, there's medication we could take.
1: Uh, I can't take it. Yeah, I don't take any medications because they seem to have like a really bad. I always get all the side effects. So I had to, um, I cut out all the medications a few years ago. I tried taking the um, baclofen mm-hmm. for spasms, and I my body went crazy. Really? I had never had like just intense spasms after I took that, so I was like, nope.
0: Yeah, it's just one of those things where um, the reason I'm I'm doing this podcast is to get bring out more awareness when it comes to an injury because a lot of the times people just see us in our chairs and they just assume like, oh, he can't walk, and. That's literally the easy part of having this injury. Like, we don't have a choice, so it's like we don't have a choice. But there's so many other little things that come with this injury that can, uh, can be like a, a shock to the system and hard to deal with if you don't have the support of of friends and family or other peers in the same situation. So you, you tried it for a little bit, the spasm medication? No, I tried it free. once.
1: and. No.
0: Yeah, I, I'm... I actually take the medication he's talking about Baclofen, but I've slowly started to kind of like temper off of it just because again I feel like if it's helping it's helping helping me very minimally and it is chemicals that I'm putting into my body. So regardless of what it is whether it be Tylenol or whatever mild medic like not even over the counter medicine you all of that stuff is chemicals that aren't supposed to be in your body. So overall I've I've tried to like get off of that but it it's tricky. One thing that I've found that really, really works are spasms.
1: Hey, 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 smoke weed every day. That's what I do.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Like, I have the the funniest relationship with cannabis because I was an athlete when I was younger. And all, like, the propaganda and, like, the fake information that comes, that was around, you know, like, 15, 20 years ago when it came to, to marijuana was, like, you lose sperm count you you lose brain cells and all that so i was really like i, I would judge people I, I would be to the point where like like for example one of my cousins my cousin's husband now like when they had just started going out he was like the biggest pie and i'd be like what a loser like what do you you know like what do you and then i get my injury uh my wife starts working at a dispensary and she literally starts bringing me free weed and i, I like i got into it and i man the benefits that you get is not just spasms it it helps with pain
1: yeah the only way i can
0: sleep yeah, yeah. It, gotta go gotta go natural exactly. and, and how how things are moving now it's like it's becoming this huge industry and it this should have been happening like a long long time ago like the the stigma that comes with cannabis it's so not the way we should have been handling um when it comes to like that, that as a drug or like a, a controlled something like that. That was all money. And
1: yeah, well, if, it, if there's no money in it, it's not going to happen. That's right, basically.
0: Right. So if you have an injury and you're taking medications and you've never gave cannabis a
1: try. Please try it. That's the best advice we can give on that.
0: <laughs> We've talked a little bit about our like our injuries and, um, you know, the, the, how we how we got to this this point now so moving on to to the artwork to the okay
1: the art world that's a big story because i did, i started doing art way before my injury actually the first time i started doing artwork was um i took an elective in college it was just a drawing class just to fill my credits mm-hmm. turned out i i was pretty good at drawing my, nice. my teacher was a hater though <laughs> so it was that was a challenges dealing with her. But even after the class, I kept doing charcoals. But I do have an uncle who's a fa- famous artist, um, Raymond Howe. Raymond Howe. And he, he was a famous Bay Area artist. Okay. So um, I showed him my charcoals. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, wow, you can paint. And I was like, man, I never painted in my life. And he was like, no, trust me, you can paint. So I shelved that for a few years got into my IT career, mm-hmm. um, which led me to a job in Silicon Valley. So I was close enough to him to go to his house or to his loft every evening. He had a big workspace. And um, so he would start. we just start throwing paint around, like mixing colors. Um, he taught me how to build the stretcher frames, stretch canvas, prime, which I still, to this day, I hate priming. Um, yeah. We even made frames. We would get scraps from a molding company mm-hmm. and make like these elaborate frames. But you know, I was back in the day, and then you know the whole works. And um, we just spent all of our time either painting, talking about art. Um, and he was he was just the funnest person to just hang with. S- super knowledgeable about everything, even though he only had a third grade education. Mm-hmm. but um, he was probably one of the smartest people I knew. He could talk to you about any subject, right. so it was it was awesome.
0: Yes, uh, the school isn't for everybody. Like, everybody learns
1: differently. and Well, I mean, he, he was my great uncle, so he grew up, um, like, in the 30s, 40s. Different. So, yeah, way, way, way different times. Different so. times, for sure. Yeah, and he was just – he was born good at painting, so, yeah, he just – was good at it so i guess after he left school that's what he just did
0: yeah i think that's what happens i have this theory when it comes to um artists like i know i know a bunch of people have heard the saying of like i was born an artist or it was just what i was supposed to do but i think what happens is that people get interested in art at a young age and then they start sketching or or drawing or doing different forms of art and they just keep doing it throughout their childhood and into adulthood
1: that wasn't my experience no. i mean i used to tag you know like you know you remember graffiti yeah, I used yeah, to yeah. paint the block letters mm-hmm. Uh, but i never ever really thought of myself as an artist but see i was actually a musical prodigy when i was young i started playing piano at three by ear and um so I was more of a musician, mm-hmm. you know, up until I decided I needed to make a living.
0: <laughs> do you think uh, there's a thing where if you're just a creative person, you can go into any any kind of like endeavor? And, and as far as when art is concerned, being like, whether it be painting, music, like all the art forms, do you think if you're just a creative person, you can kind of find your lane in any...
1: any- That's a good question. Um because um, with, paint, with the piano, I just, that's something I knew I could just do. Um, I didn't know I could draw. But like other creative stuff, there's some things I can't do, like watercolor. But maybe I was traumatized by my art teacher, but I will not touch watercolor. Like So there's some things that you can't, that I'd, I feel like I can't do. I was good at piano, but I couldn't play like organ, okay. which is weird. Yeah, because it's kind of... The, it's basically the same. Yeah, um, I was good at cello um, when I was a kid. I was actually in the paper newspaper for playing cello. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't even know. My mom showed me the, the old newspaper. I was like, I don't even remember. I didn't even remember.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't... Like, I know that I was a creative because I know when I was in school, I entered, like, a f- uh, few random, like, art contests. So I was fairly good, but I never got into art. And, like, going to to what i was saying earlier about my theory of so kids get interested in art and then they practice throughout the, they keep drawing through their childhood and into I wish adulthood I, had. I wish that's practice
1: yeah
0: that that whole time they they might not count it as practice but you've been practicing your craft for that long and i think that's what happens like those people that are like oh i was born a natural artist i think no you just found something that you liked and you were good at and you just
1: practice wow, a lot of practice um because um, after my career, I had to travel a lot and I would just bring my sketch pads mm-hmm. and um, I would always be in hotels, bored. So I just like draw people that are on TV, okay. you know, just constantly drawing stuff, just drawing and just practice, practice, practice. Then I had my accident.
0: Literally like the the worst days of, of our life. Like, and it's crazy. I was just I was actually this is totally off the subject, but I, I came across this this. A person that has a spinal cord injury and has, like, a pretty good, pretty big Instagram following, and he was talking about people that might just come up to you and ask you about your injury and um, if that's appropriate or not. Like, how do you yeah. feel?
1: no, I, I'm cool with that. I just, like, I, you know, it is what it is, so, you know, if you don't know about the injury, yeah, please ask. I don't have a problem.
0: He had the the opposite response to that. He felt like you're kind of uh being like a uh, ableist in like a in the opposite where you're just like assuming that something happened like because some people are born with certain disabilities that they're in chairs and it's not necessarily a spinal cord injury so his argument was that you're putting us in a lose-lose situation because sometimes it was a traumatic event and we don't want to talk about it and on the other hand it's like if you don't know what an injury is and then you have to explain that it's like you're Sometimes you don't feel like talking about it, and, and it's kind of, like, forced on you in a way. So, yeah, I actually had this conversation with another uh, per- person in a, in a, that has a spinal cord injury that we know, Rocio, and she feels the same. She, she's like, I, I hate it when people just randomly come up to me and ask me my story because I feel like I don't necessarily have to, like, disclose that information to you. Uh,
1: all you have to do is make up something cool, like, I took some shrapnel fluja or something, you know.
0: Yeah. That that's what he he was actually saying that sometimes he just doesn't want to talk to it to the point he that he'll say stuff like, Oh, I was riding a camel and it fucking dropped me in. Right, right. Getting back to the art process. So, because yeah, I feel like when when you're a creative person, you you can go into any lane and as long as you keep practicing, you'll be good at it. Is, is I don't that,
1: know if I feel that way.
0: No? You don't think with, with enough practice, you can get good at anything?
1: No. no? I've tried stuff that I just never became no. good at. So, Like uh, carpentry. It's just, I'm okay at it, but I'm not good at it. You know what I mean?
0: But that's the whole theory. Like, if you would have kept doing it, you think eventually?
1: I don't know. I, I feel like you have to feel it. Like, whatever you're doing mm-hmm. to be good at it. It has to be something that you just feel internally. Right, that's what I feel. I feel
0: so, like. so when it comes to your paintings, you feel like it's something you like have to do. Like you, I, you do yeah, you wake I up I feel with,
1: like that's something in me. But it feels like there's something subconscious that kind of takes over. Uh, because a lot of times I'll start a painting, mm-hmm. and I pre-plan everything. But sometimes I'll start a painting. And then I'm surprised myself at how they come out. Right. right. So, you know, what I mean, it's just like, there's that little something extra. Right. For stuff that you're good at, you know what I mean? And everybody has that thing. It's just a matter of, do you find it in your lifetime? You know,
0: that's actually like, um, a conversation that I've had with people recently where I feel like, so I paint, I do photography, I'm getting into video. Now, podcasting um but at the end of the day, I never really feel like super passionate about any of those things, as far as like feeling like if I don't do it, I'll have a bad day or i where I wake up super motivated to to you know
1: paint, so you feel like oh man some- most days I don't feel like painting, but um, and I could go sometimes I'm on a row where I can't just stop painting, but then I go through lulls where i um can't produce anything for a number of months even weeks or months but um what i do to combat that is i start doing just sketches okay so i'll start doing i have friends that pose for me so i'll just start doing like figure sketches okay and um and that's kind of a way to keep connected and then once i get back to creating some works then I'm able to do that
0: that's one of the reasons that i want want to continue like talking to people and and other creative people because i kind of want to pick people's brains on how what their process is like and what they're feeling emotionally or or mentally when they're creating work like is it something where it's like because i i've heard examples of like there's people that wake up and if they don't paint or they don't do the thing that they that they're doing like they their mood changes they get upset like it really affects them and for me it's like i don't feel like that i feel like i could go days without painting or working on the video or working on the it
1: bugs me though i mean i I can easily go days without painting but it it does bug me does it i feel like oh man well a lot of times i have like some commissions that i need to finish (laughs) that's one thing right right. and um honestly i hate commissions do you because it's it's work um, when I'm doing my own stuff creatively, it's not, it doesn't feel like work. Right, right. If so that makes sense.
0: You rather just be creating yeah, like, original stuff that comes out of, of yeah, you. Yeah,
1: people don't always want to buy original stuff. Right, right. You know, they want to buy what they want to buy. So, yeah. You I've, have to do what they want to do.
0: I've, uh, the style that I paint in is uh, stencils, and I use pictures. So, a lot of times, Um, there's pictures that won't work as a stencil. And people, like, I've had so many people that I've, like, have asked me that wanted something super specific, and I just had to turn them away because they're not going to get what they, like, the art that they think they're going to get from it because I know it's not going to work. So I totally get it, like, when it comes to, because, yeah, there's some things I'm just like, I want to work, obviously. I want to sell work and and have those commissions. But at the same time, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to do something that i don't want to do you know i don't want to create something like someone else's vision even though art is art at the end of the day art is art but i I totally understand where it's like you rather my struggle i think there's a, a lot of artists that feel that way that um like i've uh you know been in the in the tattoo space um you know like i apprenticed for like six months up in washington and they get super tired like they want to create original artwork that's like totally them but for the most part you're getting people walking in that want this little butterfly or this this a few letters and it's just like it's so frustrating to them that they can't really create the stuff that they know they're capable they have to like you know work with what the person wants at the end of the day though a commission is a commission and you
1: need that paycheck that's for sure I mean at least i do i don't know about everybody else but
0: so as far as uh your artwork like where do you feel like you get your inspiration from like on what you want to paint or
1: man it's been harder since covid but i get out i like to get out just um i there's one particular bar i used to always hang out at mm-hmm. for some reason i'd be inspired there there's museums right, right. um so i i usually call up Uh, different friends and like yo let's hit the museums and um, there's a lot close to me so um, and they change out stuff pretty you know often right right. so it's cool to go and see what's new or what else they put up right
0: especially here in Los Angeles like I've I've talked about where um, it's there's so many creative people here like if you can't find inspiration around LA and the artwork that other people are doing and and just like the vibe like something wrong with you man right getting more into so how do you uh paint you talked about there's quads that paint with their mouth and so how what, yeah. what are the tools that you
1: i've never been a traditional quad um they tried to get me to use like mouth dictation stuff mm-hmm. you know to do computers because i was it right, you know, right when right. i was at rancho mm-hmm. And i was like man i can't do that so you know you just figure out how to do stuff now in this new body. I had to learn how to type, you know, with my knuckles. Okay, but with the paint, I can't hold the brush, of course, right, but I always wear gloves. So I just slide the brush into my glove. Right. right. And, um, and from there, I can manipulate the paintbrush onto the canvas. Uh, it took a little time to be able to do it proficiently. Mm-hmm. Because of the weakness I had at first, but it turns out painting actually made me stronger. Okay. So over time, I got stronger, and then I could do, you know, better work.
0: Another issue with the, with our injury is balance. So the higher up your injury is, the less balance you have. And I know that my level is T3, T4. So I'm here. I can't move or feel from the chest down. So all the muscles around my stomach and those, those muscles you use them for balance to cough. So your your balance is always a little off. And one of the struggles that I have, especially when I have a painting on canvas, is like I I have to find this weird balance of like trying to hold the the paint. So how is it I kind of that-
1: roll up to the, like either to the side or at a 45 degree angle. Okay. And then just lean on my backrest. And um, that's how I'm able to work. And then for like bigger pieces, I have a long brush. Okay. So I can use the long brush to reach the entire canvas.
0: Talking a little bit more about your work. So have you always been interested in like working with people and uh, like yeah, realistic? I would
1: say I'm more of a figurative artist. Um, and um, so I just work in like mostly realism. Well, surrealism. Okay. Um, so a little impressionism. Um, I do some abstracts. I'm not. I wouldn't call myself a a good abstract artist, but every now and then I I nail an abstract. Um, But yeah, most of my stuff is figurative for sure.
0: Yeah, you actually sold a pretty big piece recently, right? Yeah, an abstract. And um, yeah, so this, like for the people watching um, on YouTube, um, we're, we're looking at some of Richard's paintings and he hires me often to stretch his work. So, um yeah you he,
1: stretched almost you probably stretched all, all of this all like, of
0: these uh, did I stretch this one too
1: i I believe you stretched that one, so I, A, yeah yeah, but bo-
0: both of our work is
1: up here <laughs> right I th- yeah, I think you stretched all of these,
0: yeah, and you were saying that you know th- that's one of the things that you learned um for me when it comes to my injury i'll i I'll, I'll have these moments where um i know that if i wasn't paralyzed i I would be able to do certain things just super fast and and like oh yeah so mentally like for you what is that like like knowing that you were you're
1: like it's frustrating man because i used to paint with both hands um well wet brush dry brush Uh um but um now because of balance issues um i could put two brushes but I have a harder time. So now I just basically paint with one hand and then also cleaning my brushes. And, you know, I have to wait for somebody to help me get my paints. Sometimes I want to paint now and nobody's here to get my paints. And man, you're talking about frustration.
0: You just let it roll off your, you know, off your shoulder. How how do
1: you, the way I see it, I can only do what I can do. Right. You know, no sense in getting frustrated. um if i you know can't get like if i want to paint right now and i can't get my paints then i just start to visualize you know what it's going to look like on canvas and my process right right. you know where i'll start and so um yeah you can only do what you can do bro
0: that's a great way to to approach that that because yeah for me it's like i'll have my moments where um for me it's like I used to like working on my car and getting stuff and now I have to like take it to my brother in law or take it, you know, have my dad fix it or anything. So yeah, it it can be super frustrating just knowing like, man, if I was if I was, you know, wasn't in this situation and um and I know that like a lot of people, um that's a struggle that they're gonna have. Getting into um a little a little bit out of the, the art and into um, you know, if, if there's somebody out there that might have a recent injury, um, what are, like, some things that you would recommend as far as, like, trying to uh, get their life back on track or trying to find something that, you know, they, they're, they're interested in? Like, what, what advice would you, would you give somebody that is, has, has a recent injury?
1: Well, um, for me, I would say the fun part is to figure it out. Right. So if there's something that you did before you want to do, there's probably an adaptive way you can do that. Right. Um, and in our community, we've gotten to do a lot of things. Like I've gone skiing right, right. and I didn't even necessarily really dig skiing before my injury, mm-hmm. but um, I went also shooting. We call it we call our group uh, Will Team Six. <laughs> we'll teach. Yeah, we um and we got we shoot we shoot everything AKs, um, uh, AR 15s uh, Uzis. I've shot a lot of different guns and stuff. I don't know if you've done that with the Triumph Foundation.
0: I haven't. I haven't. Yeah,
1: they it. um yeah they usually organize and put together all of that kind of stuff. Okay. So yeah, we I've done a lot of stuff um since my injuries. stuff stuff i wouldn't have done before the injury like travel some of the crazy trips so um me and a couple of guys in in the chairs a couple of my friends Mm -hmm. we went on this huge trip to like um italy sicily athens uh jordan muscat oman uh (laughs) dubai and abu dhabi and then at Abu Dhabi, we went to the Formula One race, mm-hmm. but um, through all of those, you know, different cities, we had to figure out how to get around in a chair. And let me tell you, overseas, accessibility means something totally different. I mean, yeah, it was crazy. Most of the time we had to roll in the road yeah. because um, there weren't curb cuts. and uh, But everybody, the people were always kind in all the cities. So I, I don't know how we managed, but we... Didn't have any, like, major hiccups. Right. So, I mean, it was great. Mm-hmm. Abu Dhabi was awesome. We went to the race. Mm-hmm. They, we, we got there, and, you know, the tracks are huge. Right, right. So to get to our place was, like, a few miles. So they called up, like, straight-up accessible vans.
0: Just, like, inside Yeah, so the it was, hatch- like,
1: three of us in chairs. So they had two vans roll up. Nice. And then so like like two of us got in one van and then me and my wife got in another van and then they took us to where we had uh, where we could enter. So and they had, you know, an elevator which broke at the end of the race. Oh, and this one guy got all pissed off and had them carry him all the way down. I was like, man, they're, they're working on it. So I just waited until it was fixed and it was all good
0: there's certain things that you just kind of have to let it go you know like we already deal with so much we already have so much on our table that sometimes it's just good to just not worry about the stuff that it that you know it's just like it doesn't it doesn't really affect you know you're not gonna you're not gonna like die from it you can
1: only do what you can do that's you know if you can't do it why worry about it that's my philosophy
0: right right but you guys would be surprised what you're capable of and what your mind and and body will do when you don't have any other options right like we i always have people like you're you're so inspirational you're out and you're doing but to me i feel like i don't have a choice yeah like i have a life can't can't be just stuck at home you know miserable on life even though like i said earlier i'm sure you have everybody has their moments you know like we're all human and it's okay to feel bad sometimes it's okay to you know get emotional and and let some of the frustrations out that you might have when it comes to this injury because it is a lot to take in there's a lot of uh not just physical but a lot of mental struggles that people might not even realize and at the end of the day i like to say regardless of if you could see someone what someone is physically going through or not like i think everybody's going through something everybody whether you can yeah, see it or not
1: or not yeah
0: so i try to um always just put out positive vibes man like there's been times in my life where there's been like negativity and 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 i know how that affected me and i just feel like with everything going on in the world right now it's like if you're not going to put positivity and good vibes in the world just keep that shit to yourself man just like just, you stay home like if you're that type of person stay your ass home like people are just trying to live and and you know, uh, do the best what they can with what they, with what, whatever hand they were given. Right on. When it comes to c- going back to your injury, I was in a relationship before my injury, and I ended up having a pretty long relationship with my with my girlfriend turned into my wife. But it was a a big change. It was like a we. It was a struggle. Do you feel like for you um, and and you're in your relationship. What was that adjustment like for you guys? If if you're comfortable talking about
1: that, man, we were. It was just a, um, just battling external stuff, you know. Right. right. It's a battle, um, but we just hung in there, just fought, you know, yep. back to back, just to get you know a stable living situation going, and so yeah, it was it it was a struggle, but um, other than that, we, we still you know. Um, even though I'm injured, I'm still the same person. Right, right. So humor has a lot to do with a uh, successful relationship. Right, right. So I still be saying crazy shit all the time. Um, she does too. So, right, right. yeah, we, you know, we, we get into our little battles. Mm-hmm. She always threatens to steal my wheelchair, you know.
0: Leave you in bed.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I got to try to be as nice as possible
0: it's so hard to explain to people. Um, obviously, like, I have my level of injury. Your level of injury is higher. So there's a lot of things that you've gone through that I, ha- that I haven't experienced. And it's and like I said, at the end of the day, it's like, man, like, I, I see you and just doing your thing. And, like, if you can't get inspiration from someone that's doing their thing regardless of it, it's like, I, I don't know what's wrong with you, man. So, I like, whenever I think, like, I I literally see you as like a mentor, so like I, I'm always like trying to pick your brain and all that. But um, yeah, like I, I I've been interested in how how relationships and just interactions with people change or or what what happens when when you're in a chair.
1: That's that- interesting too, cause I got injured. I was in my thirties, like thirty two, thirty three or so. Mm-hmm. Um, some friends still the same like uh, i can't do as much stuff as i used to do of course you know there's limitations like they go to a club i always ask are there stairs yeah if there's stairs count me out bro but um for the most part we like my old friends we're still like pretty tight and uh but there's some people but we weren't actually close before but they were like kind of weirded out yeah, about yeah. me being in a chair which i thought was funny but yeah. um but my close friends mm-hmm. like pretty much all of we still talk to this day and hang out and do whatever
0: i asked because for me it was like it was a crazy like even to this day there's certain still things that i'm adjusting to when it comes to like people and relationships and all that like one of the things that i'm i'm going to i think i'm going to do when it comes to other guests like I kind of want to ask the same question of like, what was your perspective or your initial thoughts about meeting me and like, how, like, did you feel different? Did you, um, was it a little uncomfortable? Was it, um, and the other thing is I'm going to bring in people that I've worked with as far as, uh, like photography. I know that you, that like you shoot with some of the models you work with. I don't know. Has that ever crossed your mind? Like how they perceive oh, yeah,
1: Because, uh, for me, I, I can't paint out of my head. I wish. I think there's 3% of artists in the world that can do that. And I'm unfortunately not one of them. So I usually I have to do usually a photo reference. okay. Or um, if it's not, I don't do a lot of live painting. Mm-hmm. I do a live sketching, okay. but painting is takes so long, you know, to especially depending on the medium you're working with. Right, right. Oils could take months to do a painting. Yeah. Acrylics could take, you know, days to a week or, or two weeks. Right. So, yeah, you can't have your friends sitting there for like two yeah, weeks, no. you know, they got jobs and stuff. Right. right. So, yeah, yeah. I usually do a photo shoot okay. and have a photo reference. Is it easy for you to
0: just like, you know, just talk to start talking to new people? And like, do you feel like oh, you I don't felt-
1: just shoot anybody either? Like a lot of people. Once you start painting, people come up to you and want to be painted. Right, right. And I'm kind of like, yeah, if I don't know you, you know, if I, you know, if I meet someone and I don't connect with them, I'm not going to paint you. Right. right. You know what I mean? So, um, but if we meet up and then we hang out a little bit, I get to know who you are, get to know your personality. Right. Then it's easier for me to work with you.
0: Cool. So um, to kind of start closing it out, um, how do you show your work? Like, what is the process of... Oh,
1: man. Our friend Kristen Brynn, he stretched for her.
0: Right. She's another uh, able-bodied, amazing artist, like really cool person.
1: Yeah, she's my mentor. Okay. But I met her after my injury. I met her at a charitable event. And her her work was there. And I was like, whoa. And I just so happened to have just... I was picking up some paintings from uh, this other area I used to work with to bring home. Mm. So I had them rolled up in the back of my chair. Okay. And um, she was like, whoa, what's that? And I showed her. She was, mm. oh, my God, you're a pretty good artist. And she was like, she told me where she lived. And we actually hooked up and connected and started talking about art and different shows. She introduced me to um, the director of the Beverly Hills Art Show, okay. who told me, you need to apply for this show. Right. And I did, and surprise, big surprise to me, I got in, and um, I did that show several times. Um, it's a George show, too, so when you apply, they don't know that you're in a chair. They don't know you from anybody.
0: Right, right.
1: And um, so it was really, it felt like a great sense of accomplishment getting accepted. Right. And um, one of the years that I was there, I did win a third-place ribbon. Yeah, so that was mind blowing. Well, it, I'll show
0: you guys.
1: <laughs> out of I'll show, I'll show you guys a ribbon. Out of um two hundred and fifty artists or so, yeah, that was, yeah, that really kind of like made me feel good about my work.
0: Yeah, kind of like validated, you know. Your, yeah,
1: that's a lot of validation. Then um, you know, you just move on to the next thing. So started doing just like chocolate and art and all these other different shows. Yeah. Then um, I got I got a scholarship to the Vermont Studio Center in Vermont for a month. It was a fabulous studio. Like, damn, I wish I could take that studio home. But, man, so while everybody was, like, trying to go skinny dipping and stuff, I was in that studio like, this is like an opportunity. I was just yeah. working it out. Yeah. So when I got home, I w- went into a gallery. And... um She, we were talking about the work, the next show. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh man, I have some work similar I did in Vermont. And she asked to see it. And I showed her on my phone. Mm -hmm. She was like, oh man, you got to be in the show. And so that's how I got my first gallery showing. Okay. Um, Galleries are a trip. I mean, that's a whole nother day and a whole nother topic. Yeah, yeah. Getting into galleries, that's a, it's, it's something to navigate, you know.
0: No, yeah, it's a, the the art world is tricky in some spots. It's like you, you have the to. The art
1: world is very tricky. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of have to just, you know, don't try to do too much too fast.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Pace yourself. So mainly galleries and, and
0: like is where you show most of your work?
1: Yeah, some galleries, but I, I like to do shows. Not necessarily to sell because I don't sell a lot at the Beverly Hills Art Show, but I do mm-hmm. get. Most of my commission work comes out of that. Right, right. And um, a lot of connections with other galleries and art dealers and, you know. Nice, nice. So it's worth it.
0: So where can people reach you? Where can people see your work, check out your...
1: I think the, well, my website is www.rbellart.com. Nice. And then uh, my Instagram is at dickybell Bell, with okay. a Y, D-I-C-K-Y-B-E-L-L. Yeah, They'll be
0: somewhere on the screen. I'll I'll throw for you, so people can check out. Yeah,
1: that's the best. Those are the best ways.
0: He's an amazing artist. You guys definitely need to check out his work, and um, subscribe. Throw that follow. We're gonna be bringing you. uh, You know, I'm sure we'll we'll record some episodes in the future. I'm actually gonna record do an episode with, with Kristen, uh, for sure. So you guys can you guys can find out who she is and. uh, A little bit down the line but uh yeah just got to say thank you for you know taking the time out of your day to talk a little bit about your story and how you got into
1: the art world we you guys can't see right now but my dog is harassing me because he needs to go out and pee Uh, yeah okay hold on buddy he's uh what kind of dog? erasure you have to look that one up Eurasia. he's kind of like looks like a little wolf he's like a bear
0: yeah He's like a little dog bear. Um, Well, yeah, so uh, like I was saying, thank you for, uh, you know, taking the time out of your day and showing us your work. Any last words you want to say? Any closing statements? Um, Uh, You know me, man. (laughs) Just want to get back to painting. For sure. Well, again, thanks again. And I hope you guys enjoyed the episode.
1: Peace. Later
0: in my studio just coming up with dapper bars to spit in crucial situations when i play the rapper's part heard i got a denim heart and lyricism in my jeans cut a track down leave it all head like mr clean spit it mean a record fiend i school you niggas call me dean i'm always speechless never seen stay on the chase for minty green it's local how these niggas say they ballin' but they broke those